in a series talking about what it looks like to move beyond useless faith. And, and really the big idea of this series is what we want for you, what we want for this church, what we want for you to experience, and not just what we want, what God wants for us is to have a faith, to have a faith that touches all parts of our life and affects all parts of our life. God doesn't want us to just have faith, but it not to have any effect for it to really just be useless in our life. And, and that's what we're looking at. We want to be able to experience, to be able to have a faith that is useful, that touches all parts of our lives and affects every issue that we experience. And I, I love this book because James, the author of the book, who was the brother of Jesus, and he was one of the, the first pastors, and he's writing to the first group of Christians, to the first church, and, and James is writing to them to say that, he, that there's different kinds of faith. There's a kind of faith that maybe many of us have had in our life or do have in our life that, that is, James uses words like useless, worthless, dead, I mean, all sorts of different things that you can have a faith, and yet it actually is harmful to you. Or you can have a faith that touches all areas of your life and, and brings joy and helps you with life. And, and James writes this letter to a group of people. And really he's saying, I mean, you guys are kind of messed up. It's kind of what he says. And, and I love it because the, the Bible is an honest book, especially this book in particular. Because this church, this group of people is not the kind of church that you would look for. Like some of you, I've asked you, how did you find our church? And you might have Googled something. You might have Googled uh, non-denominational churches or contemporary churches or really sweet, awesome churches or something, you know, you Googled something and, and something came up and you're like, okay, yeah, that's the kind of church I'm looking for. Or maybe you didn't Google, but you just had in your mind the kind of church you're looking for. But, but this church would not be the kind of church at all that you would be looking for. They had so many problems, and you go through the letter, and James talks about gossip taking place, and conflict taking place, and, and people that uh, don't have money coming into the church, and, them say, and, and other people saying, hey, you should sit on the floor over here, and rich people coming in, and them saying, hey, you should sit over here, we've got a great seat for you, and people not being inclusive, and people that are uh, backbiting, and I mean, just all, and suffering, and stressed out, I mean, just all sorts of stuff, and I love it because a lot of what James deals with is the same issues today that people have with the church. A lot of the issues that James addresses are the same things that today, maybe some of you, if you gave up on church at some point, or if you struggle with church, or you're not sure about church, a, a lot of the stuff that James deals with is the same stuff. People that aren't inclusive, that are hypocritical, that, that don't put their money where their mouth is, that say that they're going to be there for you and then aren't there for you, that are judgmental, that all the different things. And I love it because this letter, what James says is, yeah, that exists. And, and he says he also has some stuff that can help us. And I feel like, man, we should, we should lean in. We should listen if James says, yeah, you have the same issues that I have, and I can, I can help you. I can help you have a different kind of faith that can help you experience something, something better. And, and today, what we're going to look at, what James is going to talk about, is our words, which is one of those areas that, that faith is supposed to touch, that faith is supposed to affect. And, and if you think about it, how many, how many mishaps did you have with your words this week? And you probably didn't count them, or you're neurotic if you did, but how many mishaps did you have with your words? Things that you said that you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back, whether it was in text or email or in person. How many, how many mishaps did you have, or opportunities that you had where you could have said something and you didn't say it, and it would have gone well if you did? Just how many mishaps did you have with your words. We, we misspeak and we say things all the time. We put our foot in our mouth or things that get us into trouble, things that get us into arguments. And most of us would say, man, I want help with my words. I want help with my communication. 
The number one issue that usually people talk about when they talk about marriage issues is communication. But, but that's true in workplaces. It's true in all sorts of things that most of us would say, I want help with my words. I want help with my communication, whether I need to stop saying this, I need to control the words I use here, or things I want to start saying even positively. People would say, man, I want to grow in being able to encourage people, or I want to say I love you more, I want to appreciate more with my words, or show affection more with my words, that most of us would say, man, I need, I need help with my words. I need help with my communication. And, and James is going to talk about this, and if we want to grow in our words, and if we want to be able to use the power of words, because they are very powerful, if we want to be able to use them, we need to understand some things. We need to understand their power, why words are so powerful, and why they're difficult to use, why they're difficult to control, and how we can. So that's what we are going to look at, and we will read the first part of this text. Here's what he says, James chapter 3, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, and this is him just kind of setting up the whole talk on words, because teachers use their words as I am doing right now, and he says you're going to use a lot of words, so you should even be more careful. And here's why, because we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, we, we, we all mess up in a lot of things, but if you don't stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So here is what we start with. Why are our words so important? If we want to be able to understand how to use our words, if we want to be able to understand how to, how to grow in using our words and grow in our communication and whatever avenue that is that you want to grow in, we've got to understand a few things. And the first is this, the power of words. Why are our words so important? And James gives us three illustrations. And so let's just kind of go through these illustrations because he's trying to get a point across. This is a, a horse. If, if you're like, oh, that's what that is. Yes, this is a horse. Um, but inside the mouth of the horse is a bit. And by the way, I, I love horses, so if you have one, I'd love to ride it with you sometime. Uh, well, not ride it with you. I want to ride it by myself, but um, I mean, we can ride it together. That would, that would be fun. Um, uh, I've never done that, but okay. So a bit, a bit in the mouth of a horse. That, that's what that little thing is inside the horse's mouth. And here's what James says. He says, he says what, what is this? He says, look at this thing. What is it? And he's like, it looks just like this small little piece of metal. But you know what this actually is? This is something that wins battles. As armies wreck their horses into battle. This is something that takes you to visit family, reunites loved ones. This is something that, that creates uh, business and commerce as people are traveling from one destination to another destination. He says, this little thing that you look at, this little bit, it actually sets the course for a whole sets the course for a whole way of life where he uses the example of a ship and this wouldn't have been the kind of ship he had in mind but this is the rudder here and in comparison look how small the rudder is to the rest of the ship and James says yeah what is this it's just a rudder it's just a thing right it's just the I don't know it's like the tail of a ship but but what is it and this is something that 
creates business. It's something that creates, at that point, you know, if, if it was a fisherman's boat that was going out to sea, it's something that uh, creates business. It's something that uh, leads to safety when there's uh, storms coming and you direct the, the ship to a different place. It's, it's something that it leads to security if these are warfare ships that are, that are protecting. It's, it's something, th- this little tiny thing may seem like it's small, but James says it directs. It directs the whole course of events. It directs, it leads to a whole different kind and a whole different way of life. Or James uses this final example and he says, look at this. It's just a, a little flame, just a little match, just a little tiny thing. And yet, can't this direct, can't this direct whole courses of events? Can't this dramatically change people's lives? Can't this dramatically change people's finances and, and people's destinies? Something so small, James says, can lead to an entire course of life, can direct an entire future. And then James says, all of that, all of that is like the tongue, which is kind of weird to stare at a giant picture of a tongue, but <laughs> so I'm going to move that, but But what James says is, all of that is like the tongue. You see, it's just a small little thing. It's just a small, I mean, if you think about your tongue, it's just a a small little piece and yet can direct the whole course of your life. Something so small can govern and influence. James says, look, if you you take this little bit and put it in a horse's mouth, you can can direct this entire beast, this entire animal. If you you have a little rudder, you can direct an entire ship. If you have a little flame, you can direct and influence an entire forest, an entire village. It It can destroy everything. And one little tongue can influence and direct an entire way of life. I mean, think about this. It's true, right? How did you get where you are today in life? Maybe your career or the skills you have or, or personality I mean, or, or just kind of, um, I'll get that for you, Nick. Um, or, or think about even just your, your personality or, or your characteristics. Like how, how, how do the positive things in you get developed? How, how do the negative things in you get developed? A lot of that was through the power of the tongue. I was talking to someone this week who said that they had a teacher when they were young, I think elementary or middle school, that, that said, man, I see this gift in you. I see this gift in you. And this is the first person that had ever said that to them. I, I see that you're good at this. Man, you are talented. You are skilled in this. And that changed the whole course of their life. That the career that they're pursuing now, that what they're doing now was from those words, small, but directing the entire course of life. Or I was thinking about, I mean, other things. I'm, I'm reading a, a biography on Martin Luther King Jr. right now, but it's specifically focusing on his words. I can't remember the subtitle of it, though. It's something of, uh, it's like, it's called The Preacher King is something, I think, the title. But the subtitle is like The Power of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Words. And thinking about, man, how did this small-town Alabama Baptist preacher change the world? The power of words. The power of words. Or think about negatively. Haven't there been negative words spoken into your life that have probably changed the course of your life? Haven't there been negative things spoken into your life that changed the course of your life? 
probably if you think about some of the most hurtful things that have happened to you, obviously physical things can happen to us, but oftentimes the most hurtful things have been words that were spoken to us that changed the course of our life, that directed what we did or directed what we didn't do. Words like, you are fat, or words like, I don't care about you, or words like, don't tell anyone this. Or words like, don't ask any questions about this. Or words like, I don't care. Or words like, I don't love you, or I'm leaving, or... I mean, all sorts of words that have the power to control and direct the course of our lives. James says, man, words are powerful. Not just because of the words that are spoken, but because they set the course of life. They change the course of life. Like a rudder. A rudder directs where the ship goes. A a bit directs where the horse goes. A, A little flame directs all the other flames and words. Direct for positive and for negative where our lives go. But, but there's something else of why words are so important. And see, this is part of what James is saying. He's not just saying words are powerful, because horses are powerful, and, and ships are powerful, and forest fires are powerful. But, but think about what James is saying. He's saying part of the power of the words comes from their smallness. See, no one ever looks at a big, beastly horse. No one ever looks at these massive horses and goes, whoa, look at that bit. Right, I've been to, and I'm not recommending this, but I've been to horse races, you know, and you see these beautiful horses just using their muscle and their speed, and no one's ever going, what kind of bits do they have? Let's, let's, let's bet on the bits. You look at the horses. The same thing if you've been on a cruise or you've, you've been and seen giant ships. No one's like, I'm going to check out the rudder. But you might be in awe of the bigness. But part of James's point is to say, here's why words can be so powerful. They set the course of life, but they're so small that often we don't even notice their power. They're so small we often don't notice their power, which then makes it more powerful. Because if something is small but we tend to overlook it, it's even more powerful. See, here, here's the point. We know that physical, physical stuff has the power to affect our lives. right? If, if somebody hits you, you know, man, that has the power to damage relationships. If somebody steals from you, you know that has the power to damage relationships. If somebody, if somebody even if you think about somebody cheating on you, or, I mean, all sorts, you know, we know, man, physical stuff damages relationships. Physical stuff damages communities, but oftentimes we, we neglect the power of words because they're small. Think about every day, just daily interactions that you have with people around you. The everyday daily interactions that we have with people while we're getting ready or on the way to church in the car or as you're passing someone in the hall or as, as a quick as a quick email is sent. Think about the everyday words that we use thoughtlessly, carelessly, that actually end up having the power to direct the course of life, and they're powerful because they're small. How often do we even say something like, hey, I was just joking. What is that saying? That's saying, my, my words are just small. I was just joking. When I, when I was, uh, I think I was like seven, there was this guy in, um, in the church that we were part of that um, I used to have this giant birthmark right in the center. I still have vestiges of it, but I used to have this giant birthmark right in the center of my forehead. 
And every, every week at church, this guy would go, oh, there's a target. And he was playing, but I would go home and cry and eventually ask my mom, can we go get this removed? Came to church one Sunday and had a big old Band-Aid right here, and he was like, what happened? And I told him I got it removed because you kept saying it was a target. And he laughed. He thought it was, I was joking. I said, you know, ripped it, the reveal. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> and threw the Band-Aid on him. Um, not really, but uh, <laughs> I'm dramatic, but not that dramatic. Uh, at least at seven. I've grown in my drama. Um, and, he, and, and that was something that was the power of his words, right? And I can't necessarily say that changed the course of my life, but the power of his words, he thought they were small. He thought I was just joking. Or think about even um, times that we say things uh, like, um, I only said, I only said blank. You know, we say that to our spouses a lot, or you might say it to a friend. Or like, I only said this. I only said, again, it's saying, it's small. My words are small. My words are small, or even something like the word okay. Can't you use the word okay in so many ways? Someone says something to you, and okay. Like, we go, oh, that's small, but. That could have an impact. Okay. Okay. Little John made the word okay famous, you know? I mean, made a living off of okay. You can use the word okay even. You can use the word okay, just something so small, and it can have power. Even sometimes we diminish the power of words by saying something like, man, I know what they say shouldn't affect me. But why? Why shouldn't it affect you? And I don't think any of us believe this as adults, but even as kids, you remember the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the dumbest thing that's ever been said. But, I mean, we, we diminish the power of words and say, man, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have an effect. I, I mean, I'll give you one last example on this that I just think is amazing. And I'm, I mean, one time I heard this father screaming at his child, just berating them them. And, and I heard, I, I say one time, but I heard it regularly happening. And I called the cops to say, is this like allowed? Or, and they said, if it's just like, unless you hear hitting or something, we don't do anything about it. And I talked to social workers and they said the same thing. That the, like, and this guy was going off on little kids, like awful stuff I can't say, you know, for a long time. But that's not illegal. See, oftentimes we diminish the power of words. Maybe some of you, even, even, if I said, even as I said that, some of you have maybe even thought about your parents and thought, yeah, you know, my parents never hit me, so they were pretty good. I, I actually remember talking to a woman once that said that, that her, her father had been very verbally abusive to her, but she didn't even want to call what he had done to her sin because he had never sexually abused her. So she would always like, well, he never did this. But to think about, man, we just diminish the power that words have. So here's, here's James' point. Here's James' point. Words are so important because they have the power to direct the course of life, but part of their power is in the fact that they're small. They seem so little, like a rudder, like a bit. They're so small, and yet words can destroy. I, I've seen, man, I have seen 
And I don't know if this is statistically true or not, but just in my own experience, I have seen words damage more friendships than I have acts of physical things. I've seen more marriages ruined through words than I have adultery or, or other. I've seen words be the things that have the power to hurt churches, hurt friendships, more than many, many other things. And yet we think that they're small. It's just a little gossiping. It's just a little mocking. It's just a little complaining. It's just a little flirting. It's just a little demanding. It's just a little exaggerating. It's just a little thing. But our everyday, our everyday communication, our everyday communication directs the course of our life, and it directs the course of our relationships. Your, if you're married, your marriage is probably where it is today, for good and bad, based on the everyday communication that takes place, not big, giant events. The quality of your friendships that you have are where they are today in many ways because of the everyday communication that's spoken. The everyday things that are said, the everyday expectations that we put on people or the everyday uh, things that we tell people that we think of them, the everyday talk that we do. I'm not talking about big sermons and speeches, just the everyday talk we have sets the course of our life, James says. The everyday small stuff. This is why our words are so important. Because the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships and in many ways where you will go in life for good and bad is determined by words. I love that James points this out because part of what this is telling us is God knows this and he wants good for his family. God wants good for his community. God wants to help us be able to see how powerful the words that we have are. If you've been hurt by words, if you've suffered because of words, if you've been slandered or gossiped about or lied about or been hurt with words, James, I I love that this is in the Bible because it's saying, man, God cares about his family and knows that words are powerful and wants to help us. So we may know this, but aren't words difficult to control? I mean, why are our words difficult to control? James says that we all struggle, right? We all say that, man, no one's perfect. We all struggle. We all stumble, James says. And he says, look, if you could control your words, just think about this. If you could control your words, James says, you'd be perfect. Think about if you could control, if you never said what you shouldn't say, never. You never said what you shouldn't say, and you always said what you should say. In every situation. Think about the power that that would create in your, in your life. Like if you could always say the right thing, you could land any job you want. Pretty much. I mean, I guess that's not totally true, but you could land any job that you're qualified for by, <laughs> by a skill level. But you know, a lot of getting a job comes down to an interview, right? comes down to the interview and the kinds of words. That's why books are written on here's how to interview and here's the kinds of things you should say and here's how, I mean, think about, you could get, you could, if you're in any sort of sales field, whether that's real estate or I know a lot of you are in different kind of, you know, brand sales or all sorts of different sales stuff, man, you land every sales. So much of sales comes down to the words that you use. The words that you use to, I mean, there's books written on how to sell and how to influence people and how to, I mean, you could get any date you wanted, basically. You could create your profile online in the, in the right way, and people would be like, man, they sound really great. And then when they show up to meet you, they'd be like, okay, they look okay, but man, they, they're engaging, and they talk the right way, and they, 
you could get any date you wanted. Your, your, your marriage would be really healthy and your kids would be really healthy and so much. I mean, think about if you could control your tongue, if you could control your words. James says, man, the outcome of that would be a perfect person, that life in so many ways would go the direction that you would want it to go. You get into the right schools, you would make the right amount of money that you want to make. Our words are difficult to control, though, right? We may agree that words have great benefit. We may agree that words have great benefit and great power and great damage and great danger. We may agree on that, but, but go, yeah, but man, it's hard to control that. It's hard to actually control the words that I use. Here, here's what James says. He says, every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed. Someone read that and started SeaWorld. Can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. He's saying, look, one minute you're going from singing songs, and the next minute you're going to being a jerk to your spouse or being harsh with your kids or being rude to your friends or lighting somebody up on social media anonymously in the blog comments or whatever. He's like, it's a, it's a deadly, restless evil full of poison. And one minute, we, we can't even control like, what happens right after we worship God, we're we're cursing people who are made in his image. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not be so. Does a spring for, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? And neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Why are our words so difficult to control? And I love it. James is kind of being humorous, and I mentioned it. James says, you can, he said, I love his just opening. He's like, you can, he's like, think about the animal kingdom. Think about the animal kingdom and how crazy it is, the power that we have to tame animals. This is crazy. Look at, this is, I don't even know what's happening in this picture, but a, a lion is getting a foot massage. James says, look, we, have, we can give lions foot massages, or we can teach bears to read. Or at least sit down when someone, I don't know if the bear can actually read, but it's tame. Think about it. These are real pictures. I mean, th isn't that crazy that we have the power over a beast, a large animal to be able to do this? And we can teach dogs to do this. Some of you want to know the source of this, so you can teach your dog to do this. Or this is real. Again, this is real. This is an actual potty trained elephant. James says, I mean, James says, think about reptiles and animals and sea creatures and how they can be tamed. Isn't, I mean, and honestly, it's amazing that we can tame these beasts. And yet he says, but you can't control your little tongue. Humankind has been able to tame whatever we want to tame. You can tame anything that's as wild of a beast as you can imagine. We can't, you, we cannot control our tongues. Can't control our words. And you know why? This is so important. James tells us the reason we can't control our words, the reason we can't control our communication is because we're trying to control our communication. The reason we cannot control our words and we can't control our communication is because we're trying to control our words when it's a heart issue. 
trying to control our tongues. We're trying to control our words. We're trying to work on our communication. But the issue is a heart issue. This is what James says when he uses the image of a, of a spring. And so he's thinking of the source that he's like there's no spring that would pour forth both um, you know, clean water and salt water, bitter water and, and good water. There, there's, no, there's no source that produces different kinds of things. You don't have a tree that has a certain type of roots but produces figs and produces olives. That doesn't exist. And if you keep getting upset at the fig tree and being like, come on, fig tree, I want olives. It's like, well, you're missing something. I don't know if you've ever yelled at a fig tree, but that's what it sounds like. He says the source has to change. The roots have to change. The spring has to change. See, it's a heart issue. He says that the tongue is full of this restless, evil, deadly poison. That means if it's full of that, it's coming from somewhere. From the spring. This is so important because we say things so many times about our words and our communication, like I'm going to hold my tongue. So that's saying, here's the way I'm going to work on controlling my language. I'm going to hold my tongue. But that's just saying, man, I'm going to I'm going to really try not to say these things. Or we say, man, I need to work on my communication skills. One of the main things that bothers me about marriage helps that are out there is Everything is a communication issue. It's like, I just hit, I just hit my spouse. Well, it was a communication issue. Or the house just burned down. It was a communi- miscommunication issue. Or we keep getting in fights. Well, what's the problem? I think it's a communication issue. Everything, I've never talked to a couple that had issues that didn't claim the issue was a communication issue. But there's no, there's no communication issues unless you're speaking a different language. There's heart issues that lead to communication issues. But the more that we try to work on skills of communication, and they can be helpful, or try to work on holding our tongue, or try to work on, oh man, that slipped out. All of that is just managing the tongue, managing the words. And James says, you can't do it. You can't tame the tongue. You can, you can train an elephant to poop in a toilet, but you can't control your tongue. You can't control your tongue. Because it's a heart issue. Word issues are heart issues. It all comes from somewhere. Our communication comes from a spring. It comes from somewhere, James says. There's roots of it that lead to things. When we were kids, we had a list of words that we couldn't say because we were Christians. And, um, <laughs> and there, you know, we had a list of words, mainly you know, cuss words that we couldn't say. We could say things like jerk and dummy and stupid, and we could say stuff, but we, if you said a cuss word, then you would get your mouth washed out with soap, or you would you know, get, I don't even know all the effects that would happen because we were really careful not to say them. And what that, all that did, it didn't change my, bro- and this is mainly like my older brother and I, it didn't change our relationship. Like we said a lot of mean things to each other. We just worked on our tongue. And all it did was actually led to creativity. I mean, it just led to being an evil genius. And the hard part was my older brother was so much better at it than me. My older, I, I mean, he could just create these words out of nowhere that weren't cuss words and weren't on the list. And so he didn't get in trouble. And so I actually bought this book. This is uh, Garfield's Insults, Putdowns, and Slams. I bought this. And I, there's a few of them in here I'll just show you. Why don't you do something different with your hair, like wash it? 
I mean, this is a book for kids, right? You don't, don't expect too much, okay? Know what goes best with a face like yours? A paper bag. Or this one. My brother was tall, so this is great. My, I'm glad you're tall. It gives me more of you to dislike. <laughs> you can use that on someone this week. It's sermon application, okay? So, <laughs> but but you, know, you know what that actually says? My heart was so twisted that my, I mean, we hardly had any allowance. The allowance, my hard-earned money I spent to buy a book to come up with insults to get my brother. And, and my mom was controlling, and, you know, no shame to my mom, but was worried about controlling our words. But my heart was messed up. You see, that, just because there was a list of words I couldn't say doesn't mean that my heart was changed. Just because I didn't say the words, just because I, and I honestly, I mean, as, as far as I remember, I think the first time I ever cussed at my brother was when I was like 17. And even when it left my mouth, I was like, oh, snap. Like, this is going to, I don't even know what's going to happen now. What is my mom going to do to me? But I was able to control my tongue. But I wasn't able to control my heart. And so all sorts of stuff came out of my tongue still from Garfield or from whatever. You see, James says it's difficult to control our words because if you try to control your words, you miss the real problem, which is your heart. You miss the real problem, which is your heart, and, and therefore you still end up saying things that you shouldn't say because you can still say things that um, aren't cuss words or aren't you know, calling someone things, that you, but you can say okay in a way that's just as damaging. I was thinking about this even last night. My wife and I were in bed. It's 8 o'clock, and we're watching Planet Earth and drinking tea, which <laughs> we both looked at each other and we're like, this is how you know you're getting old, you know? It was like, this is the moment right here that I got old when I'm drinking tea and watching Planet Earth at 8 o'clock. <laughs> um, so that's what happened. And, and then I think we were watching for a while. It was probably 9 o'clock. The kids are asleep. And we, Sarah doesn't know I'm going to say this, but we... Um, she got out of bed. We were both getting out of bed. Um, got out of bed, and I don't know, I think her teacup or spoon that was in the cup or something landed on the floor. It was like, clang, 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 you know, super loud on our wood floor. It was super loud, right? And, and, uh, and I didn't say anything. But what I wanted to say, the word in my heart that I wanted to say was, babe, that's not a bad word. That's not a cuss word. That's not an insult. But do you know what that word meant that I didn't say? But do you know what that meant? Shame on you. How could you do that? You're so stupid. Be more careful. And I didn't say that, but you know what Sarah said? She goes, I have so much shame. Kind of sarcastic, but also real. And I was thankful in that moment I didn't say babe because that would have just made it even worse, even just doubled on that. And what triggered, since I'm thinking about James and all these words, is how many other times have I said babe that I didn't even have to say it, but she probably felt the words coming to her that I did say it. And so here's what that means. Man, that's coming from a heart. Like the word, the word babe's not bad. And if I was like, okay, I'm going to work on saying babe, you know, 
How dumb would that be? So I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to work on. But what that did last night to me, just because I've been thinking about this, is go, man, what's in my heart that I wanted to say that? What's in my heart that I feel the need to, to have to say that? See, what James is trying to say is if you try to work on your words, it's not going to work. You can't tame the tongue. We need heart help. It all comes from somewhere. You want, to, you, you want your communication to be better? You want your communication to be better? You, you, you want to have better communication with your friends and, and with your kids and in your marriage and at yeah, work with people? You want your communication to be better both for good and for bad. I mean, you want to be a person that speaks words of encouragement and appreciation to people and, and is just kind of, when people are, you've got people like this, I hope, in your life. You're like, man, when I spend time with them, I'm so uplifted because their words, it just helps my soul. And you're like, man, I want to be like that. Or you want to stop being the kind of person that says words that, that are just, even if they're not bad words, but it's okay and babe and whatever else, but just, it just kind of, puts people in a certain place and hurts people and wounds people. You want to work on that? James says, we need heart help. We've got to own the connection between our hearts and our words. And we're going to talk about how you do that in just one sec. But I just want us to own the real problem. The real plot problem is not our skills or getting flustered or working on our communication. It's our heart. It's our hearts. So, how can our words actually be changed? How can the words, how can the hearts that lead to the words, how can it actually be changed? James says that there's a spring and there's roots, and he uses this language to say you got to go to the source, that whatever's, whatever's in you is what will come out of you. Jesus says the same thing, by the way. Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That whatever, out of the, he says, the good person out of the good treasure in his heart, so what you're treasuring up in your heart, your mouth will speak. And the bad person out of the bad treasure in your heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's kind of filled up, whatever you're treasuring in your heart, whatever, whatever's built up in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. It's what James says. It's what Jesus says. And, and just think about this, that whatever you delight in or treasure in or have put down roots in that that's what comes out whenever parents when especially the first one you have a new baby and all parents can talk about is their child it's not because they're working on their i'm trying to communicate about my child skills it's just it's been treasured in their heart so it's coming out of their mouth or when someone is in love right you've ever been in love like intoxicated infatuated you know and you're just like, ah, oh, I just can't, they're so awesome, and I can't stop talking about them and thinking about them, and they're handsome, and they're pretty, and they're strong, and they're whatever, you know. It just flows out of you. Or, or think about if, um, if there's some stuff going on in your life, and maybe you're, you're really wanting the respect of a boss, or you're really, wanting, um, you're, you're really wanting something like that, and you don't get it. And that starts to build up in your heart. And then as you're with other people, maybe they say something and it kind of bubbles out of you. And you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Or different fights that take place among friends, even people say, well, I, you know, I'm sorry I said that to you. I'm sorry I was kind of short with you. I'm sorry I was harsh with you. And it's like, I've had a hard day. 
But what that means is there's stuff that my heart's been kind of focused on and, and dwelling in and, and soaking in that then came, my words came out at you. You see, the spring needs to change. The heart needs to change. The roots need to change if we want the words to change, which means we have to be filling our heart with the right stuff, with the right things. It means at the roots, it's got to be different. You see, powerful words, small words, have power. And those powerful words can set the course of our lives. And the same is true with the words that God speaks to us. What if the words that God speaks to us would be the words that got down into the roots of our souls? What if the words that God speaks to us would be the words that got down into our hearts and that was actually the controlling center? What if that was the spring? What if that was, as Jesus says, the treasure? What if, what if that was, the, what if the words that God speaks to you were the ones that directed the course of your life? And I'm not talking about do this and so you obey God. I'm talking about the things that fill up the treasure of our heart, like Jesus says, the things that become the root system for our life. What if the words from God, like, I forgive you. What if just dwelling in that small word, I forgive you actually became the thing that you filled up in your heart, that you treasured in your heart, that you let become the root system, that you let become the spring of water, what, what would come out of that? What if, what if the words from God that he says, I accept you and I adopt you, I want you, you're mine, or you're righteous, which means you have worth, you don't got to fight for it anymore. It means you don't have to fight for an identity to get value from other things, but God just looks at us and says, I give you my righteousness. I give you my name. What if those words became the words that got into our souls? What if who God is is what got into our souls, into our roots? Even James even uses some of this logic when he says the thing about, you know, you can't, can't praise God one minute and then curse people made in his image. And he's saying, if you knew who God was, your words would change. If you remembered God as Father, if you remembered God as the one that gives his image to people, his likeness, that if that was really what was operating deep down in your root system, if that was the spring that everything flowed from, what would happen if those words got into us? See, James is pointing us to help that we need. Because James says the issue is the source needs to change, the roots need to change, the spring need to change. Which means whatever the thing in our hearts are now, that we want respect or we want comfort or, or we want people's approval or we want people's acceptance or whatever's in the, the root, the source now, some view of ourselves, some self-righteous view that we have of ourselves. What if in the source was, man, I've got a merciful God then I'm going to speak words of mercy. What if, what if I'm not just trying to control my tongue, but I'm remembering in my heart, man, God has been so gentle with me, which leads me then to speak words of gentleness. Man, God, God is a God that rejoices in his people, that loves his people, that delights in his people, and that becomes what I treasure in my heart, so I speak words of encouragement and delight and rejoicing to people. 
You see, James says, here's how our words can begin to change. The spring needs to change. The heart needs to change. What would happen if the power of words was used for good in your life? Man, you know that probably when you think about the most hurtful things in your life, probably, not for all of us, but for many of us, those are going to be words. What about the power of words used for good? What if that, what if that could happen? What if our marriages and families and friendships and churches and communities were affected by the good that words can do? Think about the kind of community that that would create, the kind of relationships that that would create if the power of words, small words, big words, everyday words, were used for good. James says that can happen. Our hearts have to change, not our words. So here's, here's what I want us to do. I want us to, want us to do a few things. Here's some just specific action items. Are there people you've hurt with your words? Confess to them. Maybe, maybe it's a word that you spoke, but maybe it's a pattern of words. Maybe it's a pattern of, of shaming or a pattern of impatience or a pattern of what, anger or a pattern of selfishness or demands or expectations or Talk to those people and confess your sin to them. A second thing I want us to do is just be aware of our hearts when you speak the words that you speak. So the next time that you say something and you go, Ugh, or maybe you even don't do that, hopefully you will now, but you, you go, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have said that because you see kind of the, the outflow of what it led to a lot of times. You're like, man, how did this argument even get started? Oh, that's right, I said, okay. Think about where did that come from? Don't just try to work on saying okay or try to go, God, what part in my heart is that coming from? What, where's that spring? What is it that I'm treasuring? What is it that's leading to me saying this to begin with? And likewise, begin to work on that heart issue by asking God to, to replace and change that. If, it, if it's because it came from, man, I'm, I'm proud or it's because I'm selfish or it's because I'm I want people's respect and begin to focus on the realities of who God is that overcome that and change that. And then seek to use your words for good. Seek to use the words are powerful. Begin to seek to use them for good. When we take communion, you know what we remember? We confess our sins. We confess our sins of all the words that we've used that have hurt people and wronged people and hurt God's family. We can confess and receive forgiveness for those. But what we also do when we take communion is we remember the words that God has spoken to us that he wants to fill us with. When Jesus introduced communion, he even he spoke words to say, I want you to remember this is the covenant in my blood. I want you to remember this moment that this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you and I want relationship with you. That's what covenant means. See, Jesus, even when he introduced communion, wanted us always to remember the words that he spoke and what he did to say, remember, get these words into your soul. So that that changes your heart. So that, that changes our words. And so that changes our lives. Let's pray and we will take communion.
and respond to God. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you forgive us. We've all used our words, God. Even as James says, all of us have stumbled and we've all used our words in ways that have hurt people. And, and maybe that's things that we can't identify as big. Maybe it's just kind of everyday communication stuff. But maybe we are the person that has used our words in verbally abusive ways and ways that have definitely hurt people. And we've seen that. And God, I thank you that you forgive. I thank you that you cleanse us even of our sins of words. And I thank you that you speak to us greater words. You speak to us words of love, of no condemnation, of forgiveness, of righteousness, of acceptance, that you speak words into our soul. God, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would let these truths sink even deeper into our hearts this morning as we sing. Amen.